Hello everyone, you're listening to episode 2 of Long Sprints and Long Talks with me, Connor Pierce. In this episode, I'd like to talk about what happened after I finished repping Team USA at the Para Pan American Games, and also discuss my pursuit of the Paralympic A standard. So, after the Para Pan American Games, I returned to British Columbia and started my second year of university, where I also resumed training. And I also began running under a new coach. And so once back in BC, I began ramping up the training volume underneath my new coach. His name is Dave. And also started running my own workouts outside of the practices that we normally do. September was early in the periodization for us. Um, It consisted of some tempo work, short sprints, and bodyweight training. And for the bodyweight training, we were mostly doing a bodyweight circuit. And mostly lower body as well. So for the most part, this this early periodization was not really that tough. It was pretty pretty standard to get behind, standard protocol. Um, and so as the training wore on, I decided that I was hungry to get to A standard a little bit faster. Um, so what I did was I began adding some distance work outside of my normal practices with my training group. And I started adding in some three to four mile training runs about four to five times a week mostly. And all this training resulted in a marked improvement in my performance. And so in a short time, I cut my pace per mile down on these training runs from nine minutes per mile to around 6.30 per mile. And so marked and rapid was my improvement that I became even hungrier to get my cardio up and get closer, as close as I could, to the A standard. And so I started training two to three times per day during the fall, training with my teammates and coaches at UBC while also adding in my own workouts outside of those practices. And now some of you might be wondering, why am I doing all this training? Well, truth be told, I have a ways to go if I am to reach the Paralympic A standard, and I have many commitments And so during the fall, I just found that there weren't enough hours in the day to achieve the Paralympic A standard while also getting all of my work done and adhering to the commitments expected of a college student in in my situation. So what did I do? Well, I know that life doesn't really slow down for everybody. We all have so many commitments, right? So many things to do, so many things on our minds. And so I just used the hours of the night to level the playing field. And so... I want to talk a little bit now about my philosophy around the A standard and my pursuit of the A standard. So reaching the A standard is obviously very important to me. And for me, it's about, it's not about overcoming a lifetime of challenges, although my cerebral palsy has lasted a lifetime, but my story has never really been about adversity. It's always been about the choices I made along the way, the hard work I put in, the commitments I have made to myself to get better. And so this A standard is really just, it's just for me. It's for me to connect with the sport and give back to the sport that's given me so much. But it's also for other people too. It's to show my coaches and my teammates that their investment in me has been so great that I can use that and use that to improve upon myself and reach for these really big goals that only a few years prior to this I wouldn't have even fathomed. A standard, like I say, is very important to me. 
And my pursuit of A standard is really a callback to when I was a young child. So when I was young, the cerebral palsy has lasted a lifetime, as I said. I had a really hard time tying my shoes, taking off my coat, and getting my shoes on. Um, but even back in kindergarten, I remember that I always wanted to do these tasks myself. I never leaned back from doing these important things that I knew I had to take seriously and work hard at. So I always just put in the work to get the tasks done, and it never mattered what else was happening or how long it took as long as I accomplished my goal. And so for me, as I went through my youth and got to recess in PE a few years later, I was always the hardest worker of the bunch. I was always putting in a ton of work, trying to get better, and trying to be the very best I could be. And so what I'm doing now is really just a reflection of that. I'm reflecting my childhood experience that was really positive and really bracing as an adult. I'm going after this thing that is so very important to me that I want to use to fulfill those dreams and those aspirations that that young kid had just running around a playground wanting to run with the able-bodied athletes, wanting to be the best he could be, wanting to challenge his physiological limits, but also the limits of the society that might not otherwise let him participate. So A standard, it's really for me about my own commitment to improving myself and also how I can use that improvement and that commitment to give back to the community and the sport that's given me so much. And so obviously, as I've said before, A standard is very important to me. So I now want to talk about the impact of the training outside of practice has has had on my personal experience. And so as things have worn on, my training off the track has given me greater confidence in my ability to handle the track, track workouts I've been doing with my training group. I feel that the distance work I did in the lead-up to the Para Pan Am Games, as well as the distance work I've done in addition to the track workouts with my training group, has allowed me to excel in track and field, particularly over the past several months. I just feel that my running form has gotten better, my self-esteem has gotten better, I'm able to run at higher speeds than I was before. I'm not injured. I'm, I'm injury-free. I've been injury-free for about a year now. I tore my hamstring um, last year, but it's been a great benefit to me. Um, and so I've seen a lot of improvement with that. And so you may all be wondering, where did all these distance workouts happen? Well, I'll tell you. I ran them across the UBC campus, and many of them I ran at night. And so my reason, my rationale for running them at night were, first of all, I have a lot of time limitations during the day and I still need to get this work done. So running at night is really something that works well for me. But also I realized that I can clock faster splits doing this. I don't have to be darting and dashing and evading so many people who are trying to walk across the campus all at the same time. When the competition goes down, I realize it's just me and that pavement. And that's something I like so much about running. It's an individual sport. It's something that lets us challenge our own abilities. When it's just you and that pavement, 
you in that trail, you in that track, whatever the surface is, it's just between you and you. And that's where I think true effort comes from because you're only competing against your own physical ability. And that's something I know a lot about. So as I said, I run the, I've, I ran these distance workouts across the UBC campus at night. And so I set up from my studio apartment on the UBC campus and I ran down a long stone pathway called Main Mall. My run along this path has taken me underneath the row of trees that lie on either side of the stone path leading from one end of the campus to the other. And from there, I run past the totem pole that marks UBC as a piece of unceded ancestral Musqueam territory. It's a very beautiful place. And then I run through one of the residential areas that sits right by UBC. It consists of luxury condos and separates the track from the UBC campus. During the day, I walk from my house to get from campus to the track. But once night falls, I am running from my dorm to the track. And so this cuts down on the commute time substantially, particularly because I'm running so hard. The distance from my home at UBC to the fields beside the track where I compete or complete my warm patrols and strides is just over one mile. So I've aimed for something between 6.30 and 7 minutes per mile pace, sometimes faster. And this is usually about a tempo pace for me. And I just don't want to waste any time getting my body revved up for what I expect it to do. For my part and from my perspective, I treat the warm-up as a part of the workout. So I always always try to stick to that 6.30 to 7 minute per mile pace. I don't always accomplish this goal, but it's a worthy thing to aim for, I think, for getting myself in better shape. And so once I get over to the field, I complete some warm drills, plyometrics, and strides, which are relaxed sprints to help wake up the body. Strides help loosen up our tendons and ligaments. They help get air into our lungs. They help us do everything we need to do, basically, to run fast. And so at this point, with darkness all around me and on these fields, I have some options. I can either jog the rest of the way over to the track, which is about 400 meters away, and do a track workout there, or I could do some tempo right here on this grass field. And so what I choose to do ultimately varies day by day, depending on whether I am more interested in tempo or track work. And more often than not, I choose the track. And so when I run on the track, I focus on preparing myself for my event of choice, the long sprint or 400 meters. It is what I talk so much about after all, the long sprint of my life, all the running I'm doing, I think of that as a long sprint. So for me, I put a lot of emotional value into this long sprint, into this 400 meters. And so in my daily training with my training group, we don't actually tend to cover 400 meters of track work. But so for my own sake, I believe that running the entire race distance multiple times, which for me is usually between 8 to 10 times, sometimes 12, is an important thing not only to boost my cardiovascular capacity, but also to familiarize myself with running the 400 meter distance. For instance, it's a common truism that athletes should begin pushing the pace with around 200 meters to go, then slingshot themselves around the track curvature and carry their speed with them all the way to the finish line. And in my eyes, running the 400 meters as many times as possible helps to improve my ability to push forward when things get difficult in the actual race. It helps familiarize myself, tell me when to push hard, when to ease back. 
It also just helps to get this extra training volume in that will make me ultimately a better runner. Because so much of people's running ability can be traced back to how much volume they've done over however long their periodization has been. But generally, the more, the more volume you can get done, it, it'll usually be helpful for your running. Um, and so that's kind of been my approach to that um, within reason, of course. And so on days when soreness from the morning training is greater, I don't usually go to the track for my second workout. Sometimes I've run on the grass as a little, a little ways up the road for the track. And this is a soccer field that sits adjacent to the UBC Tennis Center. And I use it often for tempo. Usually a workout here will consist of 10 reps of 100 meter runs at about 65 to 70% of my max speed. And I will repeat this for two to four sets, depending on how I am feeling that day. So I'll probably cover 2,000 to 4,000 meters worth of tempo work usually. But then there's also a third option, and this one is a little bit different and kind of, kind of interesting for me. So other times I run long sprint reps on the sidewalk right next to the track. This doesn't provide that much of an advantage to running on the track itself, but I do it more for reasons of nostalgia than for reasons of training. When I train at night, the training is for me. It suits my ambitions, my needs, my goals, and my desires. In my mind, I'm already training under a track coach who provides me with an excellent training program. So why is there any problem with adding in a few things here or there for fun? And so I think I'd like to take a moment now to connect this back to my childhood experience training. So when I, was, when I was a young teenager, 13 years old, I started a body transformation. That was something that ultimately led me to running on Team USA and representing Team USA. And so, but it came from very humble beginnings. I started off as a 13-year-old kid who just wanted to get in a little bit better shape. And I started doing runs around the sidewalk at my house up at the local park, Volunteer Park. Those of you who are local Seattleites will know what that is. Um, and just, ge just generally running around my neighborhood. It was always just me in the pavement. It was me in the field. It was me in the grass. This individuality was ultimately what helped make me a better runner. Because when the competition has been between just me and myself... I tend to have done really well and not be discouraged by external factors like how people might perceive my cerebral palsy. The performance differences that arise from that, my, my fear that I might not be accepted in certain communities. Now that's ebbed over the years. I'm obviously in a very supportive environment right now that's very conducive to the development of my athletic potential. But back then, competing against myself was an important stepping stone into transforming my body into becoming the person I am today. And so when I run on the sidewalk up at the UBC, um, up by the UBC track on the sidewalk, when I run those long reps there, for me, it's really about connecting with my roots, connecting with those roots of it just being between me and the training surface. There's something about that whole area, that 
sidewalk right next to a road that reminds me so much of my experience running for myself and by myself in Seattle. And I think that perhaps as well, that might be one of the reasons why I like to train at night because training, training alone can be very meditative for me. It lets me reflect on my past, think about the things that I'm proud of for having accomplished while also looking ahead at what I know I can do. I think that training as the lone wolf is sometimes looked down upon, but it's been a valuable thing for me to spend some time with my own thoughts when I'm in training. And so those are really the reasons why I throw in that, I throw in that extra little bit of of running on the sidewalk, but I also extend this to other areas of my of my personal training program outside of practice. Training on my own gets me back to those roots, no matter what surface I'm running on, whether it's the track, whether it's the grass field, or the sidewalk next to the track. It could be either one of those things, and I still get that connection, that visceral experience of training for myself and by myself, something that takes me back to when I was just a teenager with humble ambitions. It's really something that's brought me full circle, and I think it's a valuable thing to have in my life experience because it keeps me motivated. It reminds me of when I was just a little kid who could barely run a mile. And when I say little, I mean a young teenager. When I was a really young kid and couldn't run very well, wasn't very strong, struggled to coordinate physical tasks, having this point of comparison allows me to put in perspective the degree to which I've transformed my body and changed my life. So that's really what that's about. And so then continuing to talk about my training program, I follow a rigorous weight training program under my coach, Dave. Um, And so since returning to the University of British Columbia, my weightlifting routine has consisted of maximum strength work and circuit training. Those are sort of the two different areas that we try and focus on. Um, And the effort I've put into the weight training has really paid off for me. And it's really, it's really helped me get a lot stronger than I was earlier this year. And so as of this podcast recording, I have achieved personal best in all three of the core lifts underneath this weight training program. And I've put up a 145 pound bench press and a 165 pound squat. These lifts far surpass anything that I believed I would be able to do previously. And so it's been an amazing thing for me to achieve that. Now, what about the third lift? Well, what I'm perhaps most proud of is my deadlift. Most recently, my deadlift sits at 227 pounds. And the reason why I'm so proud of that number, that figure, is because it's up from only 40 pounds that I could lift as a young teenager, which is when I started first starting lifting weights. When I was 13 years old and first started my body transformation, I could only lift 40 pounds in a deadlift and only for a single rep. But through transforming my life, through transforming my body, from making it from making it onto Team USA, which has given me all this confidence, this is fed back into 
the excitement and the enthusiasm I approach training with. So now that's allowed my deadlift to just go way, way up to 227 pounds, just over two plates. I think that for someone with cerebral palsy, that's a pretty impressive figure. And I hope that I can keep building on that. I plan that sometime in 2020, my goal is to be able to deadlift over 300 pounds, which anything at this point is really just icing on the cake for me. I think that what I have already done is so far surpassed what I ever believed I could do that this is such a monumental step in my life experience. And so the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is a little bit of my personal history, particularly with regards to this body transformation I keep referring to. Um, those of you who have followed me for a long time will know that I've been working on a body transformation for almost seven years. My personal history is something that I'm very proud of, as this transformation has been beyond physical to me. Yes, I've gotten bigger, stronger muscles. I've gotten faster. I've gotten more flexible. I've changed so many things about myself physically, and I've given myself a better quality of life as an individual with cerebral palsy. But for me, it's been beyond physical as well. And when I say beyond physical, what I really mean is this has transformed me emotionally and mentally and spiritually. It's helped me, it's helped me learn how to keep commitments have strength in times of difficulty, deal with setbacks and failure, work hard, push forward even when I can't see what's on the other side. It's Most importantly though, it's transformed me into a man. I'm a man with goals, ambitions, desires, a willingness to work, a drive to succeed, and just this overall commitment to being the best person I can be. And I've realized there's something I was thinking about. The other day I was listening to an audiobook called Finding My Voice by Mike Riley. You should definitely check it out if you get a chance. Um, but in that book, he talked about this concept of people being the causes of their own experiences and how in the Ironman triathlon um universe he says that the most successful people in that sector in that sporting realm are those who believe that they're the cause of their own experiences meaning that life could throw a lot of difficult things their way life could make things hard for them there could be roadblocks and barriers and it's not to say that there aren't there definitely are and he acknowledges that but it seems like what really tips the scale for so many people and what's really skipped tipped the scale for me is the belief that I'm the cause of my own experiences, that I'm in control of where my life goes, that I'm in the driver's seat, that I can make decisions for myself and be the person I want to be. That's something that's really applicable to my body transformation because that was a choice that I made for myself regardless of what other people thought of my decision to do so. Most 13-year-olds don't go out seeking a personal trainer at such a young age, which is what I did. As a youngster, I said I'd like to go to a personal trainer, learn the principles of weight training, learn about nutrition, and transform my body. 
I probably didn't know at the time that it would change my life as much as it did, but I just wanted to get better for myself. And behind that was this belief that I'm the cause of my own experiences. This belief that I'm capable of things that I set my mind to, that I can bounce back from, not only that I can bounce back from failure, but that I am responsible for doing that. It rests with my ability to do that. It rests with with me. It rests on my shoulders to bounce back from the tough stuff. And so that's a little bit about why I think my transformation has really been beyond physical. It's transformed my life in so many different ways. It's allowed me to represent the United States. It's allowed me to run at the collegiate level, something that few people ever do, but especially those with disabilities like mine, like CP, it rarely happens. And so this transformation has really been deep. It's changed me in so many ways. It's given me so much growth, strength, and maturity that I can't imagine living without it. Um, something that I like to talk about is how my story has never been about adversity, but it's been about the choices I've made along the way. Through making all of these decisions that have helped me transform my body and change my life, I have just ascended to new levels in every area of my being. I've gotten better for myself. And so remembering that it's not about what life throws at me, but it's about what I do about it. That's really the most important thing that I've had to learn. And I think it's a really valuable thing for everybody to learn too. And so to wrap this up, I'd just like to encourage everyone to remember that, try to remember that you're the cause of your own experiences as I've had to learn. We all have difficulties. We all have troubles. There will always be pathways we'll have to go through. And sometimes luck is a way to get there. But for me, I just feel like what tips the scale for me and what's tipped the scale for so many other Team USA athletes, collegiate athletes, and many of the people I've talked with has come from their drive to control their own lives. They believe they're the cause of their own experiences. And so I think a real lesson to be extracted from that is to never give up, to just keep moving forward, keep moving forward for yourself. Keep getting better, never stop improving. Don't back off when things get hard. And I think remembering that you control who you... I think that a big element that stands out to me from this podcast that I've been sharing with you is that a lot of what I've done over the past few months has really been self-controlled. My coach has been asking my teammates and me to do all these workouts on the track during the day. But he didn't assign me those workouts when I was on the track at 9 or 10 o'clock at night all by myself running through 400 meters of pain, running through multiple reps of that. He didn't assign that to me. It's something that I've determined for myself. And I think that we can all learn a thing or two from determining our own destiny and realizing that we're the cause of our own experiences. All right. 
In the next episode, I'll talk more about my body transformation, my personal history, and how it's given me a bulletproof mindset. Thank you for listening. This is Connor Pierce with Long Sprints and Long Talks, signing off.